As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm and full evil. Welcome to Love you, Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a terrific podcast for you as joining me in the second segment. We've got John Jansen out there with Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. We're going to be talking with him about the Annalise. The Phillies are in action today, so we're going to be asking about that team, all the trials and tribulations that they've been through, the New York Mets, the fact that they lead the division, despite the fact that I don't think anyone has heard of any of the outfielders that they currently have, so that's going to be a fun chat there in the second segment. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys a side total on every game on the betting board for this wonderful Sunday as we touch them off. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. And you've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at yours, 41. Keep in mind the letters EM. They mean does not matter. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. I did not wind up getting in any questions today, but we did wind up getting an absolutely amazing day of baseball on Sunday, so let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. Games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The New York Yankees wind up sweeping the Chicago White Sox. 5-4 to four was final in this one, as you did wind up having a trail of home runs for the Sox. 
Jose Abreu winds up getting his ninth home run of the season. Andrew Vaughn is able to get his serve. That one came off of Aroldo Chapman, by the way, as Juani Peralta served one up to Abreu. And then Chad Green winds up giving one up to Yasmani Grandel. His sixth for the Yankees. They wind up getting a very good start out of James Satayan, in my opinion. Five scoreless innings gave up two hits. In my opinion, it was pulled a little bit too early because Wandy Peralta from there gives up two runs in a third of an inning. Chad Green gives you five outs, but he gives up the solo home run. But Jonathan Luizga scoreless setting in Aroldis Chapman, though he does give up a run. His first of the season, he winds up being able to get the job done for the New York Yankees. They go just two of 11 with men in scoring position, but they did just enough to be able to get to Dallas Keuchel as Keiko winds up giving up three runs, but only one of which was earned over the course of four innings was hurt by his own fielding error and a Tim Anderson throw that went errant. From there, Evan Marshall, along with Cody Hero, were both able to give you a scoreless inning. Aaron Bummer winds up being a little bit of a bummer, goes one and a third innings, giving up the winning run. Jose Ruiz winds up giving up a run in an inning as well. That one was unearned, and for Liam Hendricks, he winds up coming in, he inherited a runner, could not hold him on, so he winds up not giving up any runs. He winds up having 0.0 innings, but he wound up throwing five pitches and he was out there when the game was lost. So, always an interesting ordeal there. Always an interesting ordeal on Sunday Night Baseball as well as we wound up seeing a 0-0 game going into extras and the Chicago Cubs are able to pull it out against the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of 2-1. For the Cubs, it was a Javi Baez home run that wound up doing it. That was off of Mr. Alex Reyes, who is, by the way, 14 out of 14 in save opportunities. His 11th home run of the season. And for the Chicago Cubs, Zach Davies, who's been absolutely terrible this year, his best start of the year. He winds up giving up four hits, three walks in the first four innings of the game. Went five scoreless. And then from there, a bullpen that has been very good for the Chicago Cubs. They were good once again. Tommy Nance, Ryan Tapera, Dan Winkler all give you scoreless innings. From there, Andrew Chafin gives you two-thirds of an inning. And Craig Kimbrell comes in for four outs. Does wind up giving up the unearned run that begins on second base for, for the St. Louis Cardinals. They wind up going overtime with runners in scoring position, stranding 12 on base. And that squanders an absolutely magnificent serve from Adam Wainwright. Gives up one hit and one walk in eight innings. And he winds up getting a no decision. Giovanni Gallegos, a scoreless inning on the bullpen. And then Mr. Reyes winds up giving up two runs, one of which was earned in extra innings. The San Diego Padres, they continue their ascent on the NL West and just in the league in general. 9-2, they take down the Seattle Mariners, who, by the way, are really falling back to earth. You've got the San Diego Padres, by the way, now having the best record out there in the big leagues at 30-17 and for the Padres. They were able to get a little bit of power going in this one. Fernando Tatis Jr. goes deep now once but twice. Goes deep off of Robert Duggar for his 13th home run of the season and prior to that, Justin Dunn for his 12th. And for Justin Dunn, Probably pulled too early in this one. He does give up that solo home run to Fernando Tatis Jr., but that's all that he wound up giving up over the course of five innings. And then from there, the bullpen gives up eight runs, seven of which were earned over the course of three innings. Austin Machevich gives up three runs without giving up an out. JT Chargua was able to go a scoreless inning, but Robert Duggar gives up four runs, three of which were earned, and then you wind up having a run in an inning, give it up out of Wyatt Mills, and for the Seattle Mariners, this offense has just been a hot mess to say the least, very top-heavy team, as you've had Mitch Haniger being able to hold up his end of the bargain, but the team goes 3 of 14 with men in scoring position, as you, Darvish, another great start. One run given up over the course of seven innings, and then from there, Nisbel Kermit's Matt winds up giving up one run over the course of two innings. The LA Angels have certainly been a fade recently. They have wound up entering into this game two and nine without Mike Trout so far this season. Well, they were able to get another one. Six to five, the finalists. They wound up getting down four to zero in this one. Dylan Buddy was absolutely terrible. Goes two and a third innings, giving up four runs, all of which weren't, including two home runs. Bullpen from there. Six and two thirds innings. One run, and that one run was unearned. Give it up in that time for the Oakland A's. Their pair of home runs come off the bat of Matt Olson as 12th of the season, and Seth Brown is 8th. But 
for the Angels. I mean, you've got to be impressed by this team and how they were pushed out of the bullpen. CC check, two and a third innings, scoreless, four punch outs. Aaron Slager's a scoreless inning. Mike Myers was able to give you four outs. Tony Watson winds up giving up the honor and run while being able to get two outs. And Rossiel Iglesias drops his ERA to a 5.19 with being able to get a four out win. And for the LA Angels, they were able to get a home run off the bat of Jared Walsh. It's 10th of the season as Shamanea. Not a great, not a terrible start. Gives up one run over the course of five innings. You'd like to see a little bit more length, but certainly did his job. From there, Birch Smith winds up giving up that home run in an inning, and Sergio Romo wound up being some Mergio Romo. Now as a 763 RA, I have no idea why he's in the league. He gets one out, gives up three runs, all of which weren't. Diolius Carrera from there winds up giving up a run in the eighth inning, and Remy and Goudin was able to give you a pair of outs as well. So that hurts an Oakland A's team that's still looking very solid with a 28-20 record despite a negative run differential. The LA Dodgers wound up having a very, very big offensive output against the San Francisco Giants. 11-5 the final. Julio Arias wound up having a perfect game through five. That wound up getting affected as he winds up giving up two runs from there, but still gives up two runs over the course of six innings, punching out ten. Did give up a home run in this one, going deep for the San Francisco Giants. Austin Slater is fifth, but for the Dodgers, did have a little bit of a bullpen issue with Edwin Yuseta giving up three runs in a third of an inning, but David Price was able to give you a scoreless inning along Dennis Santana, and then you got two outs out of Phil Bickford, the former Milwaukee Brewer, and for the LA Dodgers, pair of home runs in this one. Gavin Lux goes deep off at Anthony DiScalfani is third. We're going to get to him in a second, and Sam Selman serves one up to Max Muncy for his 10th, but for Anthony DiScalfani, man that winds up entering into this game with a about a two-ish ERA, gives up 10 runs at two and two-thirds innings, including home run. Sam Selman serves up that home run, only gives up that one solo home run over the course of two and a third innings, and Caleb Barger, Zach Liddell, Nick Tropiano, and Jose Alvarez all give you a scoreless inning, so they were able to do their part, but for the Giants, they wound up entering into the weekend with the best record in the big leagues. They get swept by the Dodgers, so the LA Dodgers, I believe, have now won 11 out of their last 12. They look like they have certainly gotten right. The Milwaukee Brewers look like they've gotten right as well. 9-4, they wind up taking down the Cincinnati Reds for the Reds. This is a team that they've now lost 6 out of their last 7 games at home. And for the Brewers, pair of home runs, Christian Yelich, his first of the season off of Brad Brock in the ninth inning. He got Brock and rolled, and then you've got Avisio Garcia getting his 7th home run the season. That comes off of Luis Casio, who is now 1-7, gives up 5 runs in 5 innings, 7-61 ERA. Typically, he's been good at home. Bad on the road. Now he's just bad all over the place. Michael Feliz gives up two runs in a third of an inning. Brock gives up that solo home run to Mr. Christian Yelich on Doolittle. He's doing very little for you. He gives up a run while being able to get just one out. I will say, Ashton Gudu winds up going two and a third innings. He doesn't give up a single run. And for the Reds, they got a pair of home runs of their own. Jesse Winker is 13th of the season off of Freddie Peralta. And then you had Alec Bettinger giving up one to Nick Cassianos for his 12th for Bettinger. He does wind up giving up two runs in the ninth, but the game was decided from there. Freddie Peralta. Not necessarily his best start. Four and two-thirds innings. He punches out seven. He's now gotten at least seven strikeouts in every one of his starts so far this year. So he was able to do his part, give it up just two runs. Brad Boxberger got it on the bullpen. And Trevor Richards, who winds up coming over in that trade for... William Adamas and J.P. Fireisen, two scoreless settings. So, Brewers looking to be able to get back online. That was a good win for them. The Washington Nationals, they look like they are getting back online. They wind up sweeping the Baltimore Orioles by a count of 6-5 as the Baltimore Orioles surprisingly have an 11-11 road record despite the fact that they got swept in this series. You sort of knew that there were some splits that were doing for regression, and this was one of them for the Baltimore Orioles. They go 3-12 with Ben in scoring position and Matt Harvey. The Dark Knight did not rise. Six runs, five of which weren't given up in four and two-thirds innings. Now rocking a 631 ERA. Gave up a home run in the process. Going deep for the Nationals. Mr. Kyle Schwarber is a 
fifth home run of the season. From there, the Orioles' bullpen actually was not too bad. You wind up having Paul Fry give you two scoreless innings. Cesar Valdez, a scoreless inning, and Cole Solzer was able to hold down the fort, cleaning up one of Matt Harvey's messes. And for the Washington Nationals, Patrick Corbin, not necessarily looking too terrific in his own right, gives up 11 hits, four earned runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings, but wonder I swear, oh, this guy sucks. You knew that he was going to be giving up runs because he is wonder I swear, oh, this guy sucks. He goes four outs and gives up a run, but Brad Ann was able to get the save, and Danny Hudson was able to give you a scoreless inning as well. You wound up seeing the Philadelphia Phillies, and we're going to be talking about this a little bit earlier with John Jansen, avoiding a sweep at the hands of the Boston Red Sox, who, by the way, best team on the road so far this year, the Boston Red Sox are to Despite this loss, now 16-7 and their road record is the Tampa Bay Rays, 18-7. and So by percentage, they are still a little bit better. We're going to get to the Rays in a minute. But 6-2, the final in this one for the Boston Red Sox. Eduardo Rodriguez, not necessarily the world's greatest start, gives up four runs over the course of four innings, including a home run from there. Phillips Valdez out of the bullpen gives up two runs at an inning. Man Andres was able to give you two scoreless settings, though. And Hurakazu Saramora winds up being able to dip his ERA to three. And for the Boston Red Sox, pair of home runs in this one. Franchi Cordero, because he popped a Zach Wheeler for his first home on the season. Rafael Devers winds up being able to take Archie Bradley for a ride for his 13th, but for the Philadelphia Phillies, Wheeler was dealing in this one. Gives up that solo home run in 7 and 3rd innings, punches out 12. Jose Alvarado was able to give you two innings out of the bullpen, and Archie Bradley gives up a home run, but the game was decided from there as Brad Miller winds up being able to get the start in this one. Gets his fourth home run of the season on a day in which you had JT Riumito and Bryce Harper both out of the fold, so that is good for the Philadelphia Phillies, and it was good for the Tampa Bay Rays to get another road win. 6-4, they wind up taking down the Toronto, a.k.a. Dunedin Blue Jays. For the Rays, they wind up getting a home run off the bat of Francisco Mejia. It's sort of the season. That comes off of Hunjin Ryu, who winds up giving up two runs over the course of six and two-thirds innings, considering the ballpark, that's actually very good, but a Blue Jays bullpen, which has been in the top five in the big leagues with regards to ERA all season. It seems to be waning a little bit. Travis Burgeon was able to give you an out of the bullpen, and Rafael Dolis was able to give you four outs, but Tyler Chatwood, he's had his issues throughout the years. Gives up four runs while being able to record just two outs for the Blue Jays. Pair of home runs in this one. Teoscar Hernandez, his sixth of the season. That comes off of Josh Fleming, the bulk guy, along with Randall Gritchick. Also goes deep off the bulk guy, Mr. Fleming, for his eighth. And for Fleming, he does give up four runs in six innings, including those two home runs, but Michael Waka made his return off the injured list. Got the start. Two scoreless innings. Actually looked good. And then J.P. Fireisen. Yep, if the Rays want your bullpen arms, they're probably pretty good. He winds up being able to get the save in this one. The Minnesota Twins finally got an extra innings win. They wind up entering into this game having won a seven inning game, but in games that wind up ending either in extra innings or in seven innings, I believe that they were 1-13 in entering in this one. 8-5, to five, they take down the Cleveland Indians. For the Minnesota Twins, pair of home runs in this one. Max Kepler, his fifth of the season. That comes off of Zach Plesek and Kyle Garlick in the tenth inning off of James Karinchek. Goes deep for his second. J.F., he was hapless in this one. Gives up four runs over the course of six innings, but then from there, Caleb Theobar, Tyler Rogers both give you a scoreless inning. Ansel Robles comes out of the bullpen. He winds up giving up a run, but Ty Duffy was able to hold down the fort. And for the Cleveland Indians, you wind up having Mr. Plesak not be able to give you the length that was desired. So in an extra inning game, that was not necessarily terrific. Three and two-thirds innings gives up five runs, three of which was earned. And then from there, the Indians pretty much threw out there every bullpen piece that they had available. You wind up getting one and a third inning scoreless out of Kyle Nelson. You wind up having Phil Maton, Nick Wicker, and Brian Shaw, Cal Quantrill. I'll give you scoreless settings. James Karinchek comes in an extra. 
He winds up giving up three runs, two of which were earned, including that homer. And then you wind up having a scoreless setting on Trevor Steven. But for the Indians, they wind up going in this one. Three of 18 with men in scoring position. Framel Reyes was on the starting lineup in this one, and it clearly showed. Something else I clearly showed, the fact that the New York Mets have, like, absolutely nobody out there right now. 5-1, to one, they wind up losing to the Miami Marlins. For the Metropolitans, Jordan Yamamoto winds up getting the start in. Yeah, typically don't want Jordan Yamamoto starting. He actually used to be with the Miami Marlins. A little bit of a revenge spot here for both sides, and it was the Marlins that got revenge on him. Gives up five runs, four of which were earned over the course of four innings. I will say, Robbie Gazelman, three scoreless innings out of the bullpen, and you wind up getting a scoreless inning out of Yancy Diaz, so that was pretty solid. And for the Mets, they just weren't able to get any offense generated. Grand total of six hits, but I think they went like one of four with men in scoring position as Cody Poteet. Seven scoreless innings. You don't necessarily expect that. He now has a buck of six ERA. I can tell you right now there's going to be a regression there, but you wind up having John Curtis with two S's give up a run in an inning, and Anthony Bender gives you a scoreless ninth inning, but for the Miami Marlins, go three of six with men in scoring position. The Mets were hurt by an error out there in the field as well by Francisco Lindor, who's currently not earning his money. So you wound up having that going on, staying out there in the NLEs. The Atlanta Braves were able to get right against the Pittsburgh Pirates this weekend. They wind up combining in the three games for 33 runs, and the Pirates had to combine three. Seven to one was the final in this one. As for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they wind up going 0-4 with men in scoring position. J.T. Brubaker has had a relatively solid year so far this year. He winds up giving up all seven runs, three home runs, going deep for the Atlanta Braves. Dansby Swanson is eighth home run the season, and then Austin Riley twice is eighth and ninth as Max Freed. He was freeing up the Atlanta Braves in this one and their bullpen. Gives up one run over the course of seven innings. From there, you wind up having Edgar Santana along with Chris Martin. Both give you a score setting the Atlanta Braves. I don't think they've been above 500 all season long. They are now approaching that mark. We're going to be talking a little bit more about the NL East with John Jansen in a few minutes. The Kansas City Royals were able to take down the Detroit Tigers by a count of 3-2. Had a little bit of a walk-off winner here for the Kansas City Royals as Grand Depot's Mr. Carlos Santana off of Michael Fulmer, his ninth home run of the season for Fulmer. Actually has been serving as a good relief man. Now is at 369 ERA but winds up serving up that home run and that squanders a terrific start from Casey Mize. Six and a third innings gives up one run. By the way, Detroit Tigers, worst bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. Gregory Soto was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Jose Cicerno, a scoreless inning, but for the Tigers, the offense is not necessarily been too terrific. Two of 11 with Ben in scoring position as Chris with a K. Bubich winds up having a solid start, gives up two runs over the course of five innings, and then a Royals bullpen that in recent weeks has not been good. They look terrific in this one. Tyler Zuber, two scoreless innings. Kyle Zimmer, he winds up giving you two scoreless. He was able to get the win, and Scott Barlow, a scoreless inning of his own. So the Royals able to get right on the Detroit Tigers. And another team I was able to get right, the Texas Rangers, who wind up sweeping the Houston Astros. Astros had scored at least four runs in each other previous 16 games, just two in this one. And it winds up coming in extra innings, three to two, the final for the Texas Rangers. How about the start that they wind up getting out of Mike Fultonavich? Seven scoreless. Now, Josh Shorbridge comes out of the bullpen. He winds up giving up two runs, but then from there, you have Ian Kennedy and John King give you a scoreless inning, and Brett Martin was able to give you a pair of outs for the Texas Rangers. No home runs in this one. They go just one of ten with men in scoring position, but for the Houston Astros, they go two of nine with men in scoring position, and Christian Avier winds up getting pulled after four and two-thirds innings. Gave up just one hit and one run, but he walked six, which jacked up his pitch count, and with the Astros, bullpen is not necessarily their specialty. Now Brian Abreu winds up giving up a run in an inning. Ryan Sanic, Brooks Rayleigh combined for two and a third inning scoreless. And Ryan Presley winds up coming in, and he winds up giving up the unearned run that begins on second base. So the Astros 
little bit of a rough go of it out there in Texas over the weekend, and the Colorado Rockies did not wind up having a rough go of it against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Colorado Rockies, by the way, had the most insane home and road splits out there in the league as they were able to get a 4-3 win over the Arizona Diamondbacks, by the way. Diamondbacks, 9-21 on the road, 9-9-0 for the Rockies, 2-17 on the road, and 16-12 at home. We all know that Colorado winds up playing differently than all of their ballparks, but this is an extreme in of its own right. And for Trevor Story, he was able to go deep off of Stefan Kiktrin to be able to give the Rockies a walk-off winner. His fifth home run of the season as 55 shades of John Gray. Not terrible in this one. Gives up three runs over the course of six innings for Coors. That's pretty solid going deep for the Arizona Diamondbacks off of him. Paven Smith was able to get his fourth home run of the season. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, who have the worst bullpen ERA in the big leagues over the last 30 days, they actually didn't have bad bullpen pitching in this one, but Taylor Widener did not offer any length whatsoever. One earned run in one and two-thirds innings. Joe Manapoli winds up having to close out the second. Caleb Smith comes in as a bulk guy. Goes three innings, gives up one run. You wind up having from there Alex Young give you five outs out of the bullpen. Joaquin Soria was able to get a hold, and then Taylor Clark and Stefan Kicktrin both give up a run out of the bullpen, and Kicktrin was not even able to get an out in the ninth inning. So tough for an Arizona Diamondbacks team that actually got off to a relatively good start this season. I believe that this is now a team that has lost seven straight games, so it is not necessarily going well for them. But what is going well for you is if you've been backing favorites the last couple weeks in Major League Baseball. They got off to an absolutely brutal start. If you're taking a look at how favorites are faring for the season now, they're starting to do a little bit better. I still don't think that you're making money off of them, but 56.1%. 386 and 302 is the mark there. If you're looking more specifically at the last 30 days, over the last 30 days, favorites are now 240 and 164. So 59.4% clip. If you're looking over the last seven days, that actually goes to 57 and 38. So a 60% clip. And over the last seven days, we've seen a couple of overs. 51 overs to 41 unders, and that means that we've seen more overs than unders in the season. We had a big run on unders to begin the year, but now 339 overs to 330 unders, and if you're looking over the last 30 days, this is where it really wanted reversing itself. Like I was saying, you had a big run on unders to begin the year, but over the last 30 days, 207 overs to 184 unders. So that's what we're all noticing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we all wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Sunday. Now let's turn the page forward to Monday, and let's take a look at just the absolutely wonky NL East with our good buddy John Jansen doing great work out there with Fox Sports, Philadelphia, the Gambler. We're going to be talking with him next about the Phillies, Monday slate, the NL East in general, and so much more right here on the Baseball Lighting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Opening Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is great to be joined by our next guest as we go out to the great state of Pennsylvania. That's where we find John Jansen. He does a great job with Fox Philadelphia, the gambler that is out there in obviously the great city of Philadelphia. You're able to hear that on 102.5 and 104.5 on FM and then AM 1480. He hosts the show, The Line Change, as from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. If you're looking from Pacific Time, that would be from 5 to 8. And you're able to follow John Jansen on Twitter at jjansen34. And that's Jansen with a E-N at the end of it. And John, always great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Always fun doing this. So glad you can have me on. And it's a good timing because we can talk good things about the Phillies, I guess, after one good game. Yeah, we certainly can. They were able to get the job done on Sunday. That was a 6-2 win over the Boston Red Sox. And 
this whole NL East is very strange right now. The Atlanta Braves got exactly what they needed from their offense against the Pittsburgh Pirates. That was the perfect right spot for them. And boy, oh boy, were they able to get right in. I just take a look at the NL East right now, and it's very strange because the New York Mets wound up entering into the weekend in the lead in the division. And, well, they are so banged up. I don't think I've ever seen so many injuries this early in a season for a team. And yet somehow, someway, there's still a game and a half ahead of both the Phillies and the Atlanta Braves. I just think that this is also wonky because all five teams in the division two and a, within two and a half games of each other. Yeah, it's kind of remarkable, especially that the Phillies have been so awful too. I would say the past week, week and a half, and they're still not too far out of this, and they're within range of you know being near the top spot. That's just unbelievable where the NL East is at, and it's not a good sight, especially what you said with the Braves and what they did against the Pirates. That is not a good sight for the rest of the NL East. I know the Braves have dealt with their pitching problems, but Max Fried looked all right. And if that lineup gets anywhere close to being right and healthy, that lineup's just dangerous. And the good thing for the, I guess, the Braves is just Ronald Acuna Jr. still playing at an absolutely incredible pace. If he keeps this up, he's likely going to win NL MVP. And to have the NL MVP in your lineup, especially with the rest of the talent around them. I mean, the Braves still set up for success, but just still not working out for him. And I mean, the rest of the division isn't really pulling away or, you know, they're just as bad at this point. Yeah, with Ronald Acuna Jr., it is such a luxury to have a leadoff hitter with 15 home runs and 156 at-bats. He certainly has been able to get the job done. Right. just figured it would be a matter of time before the Atlanta Braves started hitting, and boy, oh boy, have they started hitting. And for the Washington Nationals, they've started hitting as well. They actually had the best road batting average going into the week prior to their series against the Chicago Cubs. I think that they're intriguing as well as they were able to get their offense going granted it was against the Baltimore Orioles, and it's the Baltimore Orioles. But I do think that there is a little bit of sneakiness with this team, especially if they're able to get Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber to be able to get going again on base a little bit more often. Now, that is a big if with both of these gentlemen. But I do think that there might be a little bit of um tap potential here with the Nationals because their bullpen is much better this year than in past years. Yeah, it certainly is. And, I mean, when you have Juan Soto and Trey Turner, those two guys can carry a team a long way. And so you you just have to get those guys right. You have to get those guys playing to their potential. And at the end of the day, you need Josh Bell to get his in and also Kyle Schwarber to do a little bit of work. But I think those two guys, Turner and Soto themselves, are so good that they're able to charge a lineup so much that the rest of the pitching for the Nationals and everything else can kind of fall in place. But it also is a really hard task for them and a really big challenge for those two guys to carry a team I don't think it's really that good so yes sneaky because of the amount of damage just those two players can do for a team but outside of that I don't find much there with the Nationals that I'd be too concerned with yeah I do think that it's going to be very fascinating to see how this team is able to play moving forward because Patrick Corbin just has not been good this year in general you still have Max Scherzer if you're able to get Steven Strasburg online that's going to bode well for the Washington Nationals because Joe Ross, aside from a couple of bad starts, he's actually looked relatively decent, but certainly a lot of question marks there. As we do have John Jansen joining me on the podcast. And John, there have been question marks when it comes to the Philadelphia Phillies on the road, and I think that we both agree with that. The Phillies so far this year, when it comes to their road record, 8-14, and while they are 15-10 and 10 at home, they go on the road to face off against the Miami Marlins team that they've just been gritty so far this year. With the Miami Marlins, they don't necessarily have that one-star player. The offense has not necessarily been too terrific, but 
The bullpen has been solid, and Trevor Rogers has done a good job on the mound. Buck 74 ERA, 65 strikeouts, and 51 and two-thirds innings. How do you see this one playing out with Zach Eflin, who's been relatively solid for the Phillies, going for them in this one? Yeah, Zach Eflin's been solid. I just, I don't trust the Phillies at all against the Marlins. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I should really be putting too much of how I'm feeling about this game into, you know, past history, the past couple of years between these two teams, but the Phillies don't play well against the Marlins. And I don't know what to make of that. Now, I think with Miami and the only way they would, you know, potentially scare you in any type of matchup is the starting pitching is actually pretty good. And I just think with the way the Phillies lineup is now, I would be very concerned with the Phillies against the Marlins. They had one good game in a series against the Red Sox, but outside of that, they have found about a million ways to lose. They've been striking out way too much and maybe would go against them in this one. Just not great past history against the Marlins and that starting pitching kind of worries me. And having to travel so much as well is going to play a little bit of a factor in this game. Certainly should calm down maybe by Tuesday, but when you have to go from the northeast part of the country down to Florida, not necessarily the world's easiest task. I think that that oftentimes gets forgotten about with baseballs. We do have John Jansen joining me on the podcast. And John, just when I take a look at Monday's slate, we do have the New York Metropolitans in action and I just don't know what to make out of this team at this point due to all the injuries. David Peterson is going to be going for them. They're going to be facing off against the Colorado Rockies team that, I kid you not, is 2-17 and 17 on the road so far this year. That has to be like some sort of a record for worst start over your first 19 road games in the history of baseball. Meanwhile, for the New York Mets, they've got guys I've never heard of that are currently getting <laughs> at bats right now. I think Khalil Lee is right now starting in the outfield for this team. You've got James McCann, who's hitting right around the Mendoza line. Francisco Lindor is hitting a buck 94, and those are supposed to be your star players. I think that this is one of the most intriguing games out there because while the Mets are so banged up and everything, I don't have any faith in the Colorado Rockies being able to win a road game at this point. I I don't know if you do, but man... I might be looking at the bets in this spot. Yeah, I probably would be too. And I would say there is maybe some regression due here for Austin Gomer. He's put together a couple of good starts against the Padres. But for the most part, this guy is not a very good pitcher. So this could maybe be, and the Rockies on the road are absolutely horrendous. I love betting the Rockies when they're in Colorado because I feel like you get some value there. But when they are on the road, they are absolutely horrendous. I would not trust the Rockies at all. And I would bet the Mets. But for the Mets, maybe this could be, even though they're dealing with a ton of injuries. This could be a matchup like the Braves had against the Pirates. This could hopefully kickstart them a little bit, but the thing I would worry about is just, yeah, they're not healthy, but Austin Gomer is the right type of pitcher. If you want to get right, this is the guy you can definitely do it against. I totally agree with you, and something else that we're always able to bank on as well, we're looking at trends in baseball. The Colorado Rockies being absolutely terrible on the road is one of them, but the Chicago White Sox against left-handed pitching is absolutely incredible. I think there's something like 24-3 and in their last 27 games. It is insane. Lance Lynn is going to be taking the mound for them, and Lance Lynn has been absolutely tremendous for the White Sox so far this year. Buck 55 ERA, giving up less than a home run per nine innings. He's getting a little bit over 10 punch outs per nine innings. I will say, the gentleman that's going for the St. Louis Cardinals, Quan Young Kim, he's been able to do a relatively rock-solid job in his own right. One walk in 26 and a third innings, but when I see left-hand pitching going up against the Chicago White Sox, it certainly is a dicey proposition if you're not getting a massive plus price with that left-handed pitching. 
Yeah, and look, I want to give all the credit in the world to Kwong Hyun Kim because, I mean, dating back to last season, this guy's still putting up really good numbers. Not overpowering stuff, nothing that really jumps out at you. It's a really savvy pitcher and crafty, and he makes it work. I don't know how he does, but he has made it work so far in his Major League Baseball career. So he's done a great job, but yeah, this is just a nightmare scenario. Now, I did bet on the White Sox last time that went up against a left-handed pitcher, and that really didn't go too well, but I guess that only didn't go too well because they were going up against New York. And for some reason, they just had an absolutely horrible series against the Yankees. White Sox are great at home. And this is one of those spots that I just can't stay away from. I just say if it's the White Sox at home against a left-handed pitcher, I just feel like I have to take it unless the price is ridiculous, but I'm not sure if the price is going to be too ridiculous here. And I end up probably taking the White Sox and, you know, even look at a little bit of a run line here. The White Sox have just been so dominant this year against left-hand pitching. And right now, as I'm seeing it, White Sox as low as a minus 145, as high as about a minus 154. So, that's not too bad. Yeah, that's not too bad at all, considering the St. Louis Cardinals have been relatively solid. But at the same time, they are missing a couple of their pieces as well. Yes, so we do have John yeah. Danson joining me on the podcast. And John, something else I'm taking a look at, this Milwaukee Brewers versus San Diego Padres game. The Padres were supposed to have Blake Snell taking the mound. Looks like there's a chance that he might wind up getting stretched in this one. Meanwhile, Brandon Woodruff, he's been able to do an absolutely terrific job here for the Milwaukee Brewers. If it does wind up being Snell versus Woodruff, I'd anticipate perhaps a little bit of a plus price here on the Milwaukee Brewers, and that would be certainly a take for me, even if it is Snell. And you're laying a small price with the Brewers, I would still be taking a look at them in this spot. Woodruff has been so terrific. And they take a look at Blake Snell. Certainly, he's been a solid pitcher, but at the same time, He's won six complete innings once in his last 22 starts. He's issuing over five logs per nine innings. And with Woodruff, if he can just get any modicum of run support whatsoever, this guy will be much better than the 2-2 and record that he's got so far this year. Yeah, he just needs that run support. But I want that to happen for Milwaukee so bad. And I even think I saw you tweet this out. You know, this is just a very top-heavy team. I love that they have certain pieces that work at different parts of the game. You know, a couple of really good starting pitchers, a couple of really good relief pitchers, you know, a couple of really good when healthy players in their lineup but it just doesn't seem to be enough for them to win. And this lineup is a huge concern at this point. But yes, Blake Snell's not bad, but I just, I love betting against them for some reason, or I just, especially a full game. Now with the Padres here, they are playing outstanding. You know, they've won a bunch of games, routed off a bunch of wins lately. It's hard to bet against them. But if the price is right, I might end up putting something on Milwaukee just because Woodruff and Burns, I would likely just end up betting as much as I can. I think now that they've been losing a few games, I don't know what the price is going to be or if they're going to get that premium ace type price. So if that gets up, you know, gets going at, at kind of, I think, the right price that I wanted at. I think there could be a potential here for Milwaukee to be a good bet. I do think that there is quite a bit of potential here with Milwaukee as well as we do have John Jansen joining me on the podcast and John. Is there anything else that you have really circled, whether it be for Monday or just a game within the next few days moving forward that is really going to be catching your eye, whether it be from a betting perspective or just something that you want to see in general? Because we certainly do have a couple pretty solid games that are going to be going down on Monday, and I just think that this is going to be a great week of baseball altogether as we do round out May and we start to get into June where teams really start to separate themselves and prove that their beginning of the year may or may not be a fluke. 
Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of great matchups this week. White Sox-Cardinals is going to be fun. Astros-Dodgers is going to be great. Padres-Brewers, too. But I think the one I'm going to maybe look for here is because we saw the Braves start to do well against the Pirates, and that lineup looked good. And look, Boston has been able to win a bunch of games, and they've been able to just outslug teams. But Garrett Richards, even though he has a 3.72 ERA, this is a spot that you know, the Braves on the road, this is where their lineup has to show up here. They've had kind of those weird home road splits. The Braves had just like a few other teams in Major League Baseball, which is weird, especially the Phillies. But yeah, if the Braves really want to get going and that Pirate series was going to be a Kickstarter for them, well, then here you go. You have an opportunity here going into Boston to take on a really good Red Sox team and maybe steal a couple of games. So that's a series I'm really going to be interested in because probably two offenses that are just going to make it a slugfest of a series. I agree with you. I do think that we've got some really good series that's going to be going down on Monday. To your point, the Atlanta Braves are starting to mash. To your point, the Milwaukee Brewers, they've got the pitching if they could just get any form of offense whatsoever. It's a team that can ascend and a man that just continues to ascend every single day with his work. That'd be you, John. You do a great job with Fox Philadelphia, the gambler. I know you do a couple other things as well out there in the great state of Pennsylvania and out there in New Jersey as well. So let the good people at home. No, they're able to follow you on social media and just what you've all got going down in general. Yeah, you can follow me at jjansen34. There you can find all the stuff for Fox Sports the Gambler at Fox Beachville Gambler on Twitter. But yeah, I've been doing a few things with the WindDailySports.com and we've been getting things going. So you can check them out there at Sports. So always a busy day for me, which is always a good thing. It's never a bad thing to be busy <laughs> considering at this time last year, nobody in the sports world was busy. Good that everything is starting to return to form and it's good that John Jansen every single day brings it and does a great job whenever he joins this podcast so big thanks to john jansen for joining me right here on the baseball betting podcast and coming up next it is that time of podcasting you sign turtle on every game on the betting board for this wonderful monday as we touch them all Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here at Love You Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to get John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler on this podcast. So great to be able to get him aboard today. Take a look at the NL East. And now it is that time of the podcast to give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this Monday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JarenScore1, as per usual. Gonna be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go National League games first, and then the American League games and any interleague games are gonna be on the bottom, so this is the order that they go in in Vegas. Many of you guys at your local books, offshore books, typically have this as well, so it'll keep things nice, clean, and easy. We begin with 901-902 on the betting board. You've got yourself the Philadelphia Phillies setting the road to face off against the Miami Marlins. Trevor Rogers is going to be home for the Fish. Zach Eflin opens to not be Eflin awful for the Philadelphia Phillies. Tillman's game is 7. The over and under are anywhere between minus 115 and minus 105. Seeing a couple minus 120s on the under, that'll give you an over of even. And with the Miami Marlins, they're anywhere between minus 120 and minus 130 favorites. Seeing now straight minus 114 out there. We're seeing a lot of movement with these numbers, by the way. And if you're taking a look at the Phillies, anywhere between plus 104 and plus 110. 
I want to make in the Phillies a slight favorite in this spot, so I'm going to be all aboard them with the Phillies, no question. This is a team that they haven't necessarily been able to get as much out of the offense as you'd like, but Odubo Herrera has been able to turn it around about a month ago. This guy was hitting like a buck twenty, and now he's been able to hit above a two fifty. so he certainly has been able to right the ship with that regard. You've also got Bryce Harper doing a very solid job for this team as well. He's been able to do a good job with an on-base percentage that's hovering right around a 400-ish. He wound up getting the day off yesterday, but by and large, he's been out there doing a good job. Reese Hoskins has nine home runs. Most of those came in the early half of the season, but had one in that Boston series. Brad Miller is coming in, batted above a 300 long Gene Segura, so got a lot of guys that are thriving, even if JT Riamito dealing with an injury. Meanwhile, for the Miami Marlins, this is a team that they've been able to get just enough offense out of this bunch because they certainly have been buoyed by their pitching. Guys like Emi Garcia, Dylan Floro, Adam Simber coming out of the bullpen have been absolutely terrific for this team and all should be available for this team. For the Miami Marlins, top half of the lineup has been solid. Jazz Chislam, Miguel Ross, Corey Dickerson. Alling above a 275 for this team, all three of these guys. Between a 344 and a 354 on base, Jesus Aguiar has really provided the power for this team. Nine home runs, 255 batting average in that. You've got Brian Anderson, Garrett Cooper now both hitting right around 8250 after they had rough starts to begin the year with the Miami Marlins. They are a team that is relatively consistent home to road. Meanwhile, with the Phillies, as we were talking about with John, this is a team that they have not necessarily been able to get things going on the road, but I do like Zach Eflin in this spot. He has given up right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings, but the command has been great. About .8 walks per nine innings. You take a look at how he's done home to road so far this year. He has a 568 road ERA, but he's in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark, which I do think is going to be able to help him out, and a Miami Marlins team that, let's face it, they're not necessarily great offensively, and for Trevor Rogers, he has been superb in his own right. Buck 74 ERA, he's getting per nine innings about 11 strikeouts, and he's only given up three home runs so far this year. I do think that you're going to get an entertaining matchup, to say the least. I think this total has been set a tad low. I want him setting it at 7.3, so at a 7.5, I'd be willing to take it over, but just a flat 7, that's a spot in which I'm going to be taking this total over, I do think that the Phillies are going to be able to get the job done, so we're going to take the plus price here. 903-904 on the betting board, the New York Metropolitan are going to be playing against the Colorado Rockies. Austin Gomber is going to be going for the Rockies. David Peterson is on the bump for the Mets. Mets are finding themselves as favorites here. Anywhere between minus 126 and minus 132. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Rockies, anywhere between plus 110 and plus 119 is your price here. Draw game is 7. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 127 at DraftKings. That means that your under is now anywhere between plus 107. And I'm seeing right now as bad as a minus 105. So you've got a whole lot of that going on. Minus 115 as well. And then we're seeing a 7.5 out there as well. The under is minus 120 and the over is even. So you've got a lot of moving numbers with a lot of these games. I'm doing this just after Sunday Night Baseball. You'll find this very often on Monday games. So if you're noticing a lot of fluctuations with regards to these totals and whatnot, that is why. But you take a look at the Mets. They certainly are banged up. That is putting it very politely, but still, you've got a Colorado Rockies team that on the road so far this year is 2-17. They have been absolutely terrible with Gomber. He has been able to do a solid job of being able to get some swings and misses right around 9.5 strikeouts per 9 innings. Problem has been the walks. He is giving out nearly 5 walks per 9 innings. You take a look at what he's been able to do this year at home to road. He's got some very interesting splits. As he's got a 639 road ERA, buck 88 home ERA. That just doesn't make sense considering he plays a Coors Field. Meanwhile, for Mr. David Peterson, for one, he's got no relation. And for two, this is someone that he's got an ERA about a buck fifty lower at home than he does on the road. He's given up two home runs in 13 and two-thirds innings while he's been 
in New York with a 204 batting average of opponents. Uh, that is going to be able to help them out. And for the Colorado Rockies, this is a team that they're just not able to get anything generated when they're away from home. You take a look at Ryan McMahon. He's got 11 home runs so far this season, which is very solid. But how many of those have come on the road? Three. And he's hitting at 216. This is a team that has a collective 209 batting average on the road. They played 19 road games. And so far, they've got fewer than 19 home runs on the road. As a matter of fact, they've got nine. So that has not worked out well for them. Meanwhile, for the Mets, you're going to be trotting out there, guys. I don't think that they've heard of themselves. I mean, right now in the outfield, you've got Khalil Lee. You've got Joshan Way Fargus. Hopefully, I'm saying that correctly. Brandon Drury's hitting a buck 43. So, you've got a couple guys that you've never heard of. Don Smith is out there. He's giving the team like a 240. And right now, he's the best hitter other than Fargus. Cameron Maben is the guy that they're kicking the tires on. So... There's a lot of that going on, but for the Mets, what I will say for this team is that they've got some good relief pitching. Aaron Loop has been able to be very solid for this team, and you've got a lot of guys that are healthy in the bullpen. Jersey's familiar, to my surprise, has not been absolutely terrible for this team. Trevor May is going to be available. If you need Sean Reed Foley for a couple innings, you're going to be able to get that along Drew Smith. So that is why I do give the edge to the Mets. You've got guys like Yancey Almonte with north of a 10 ERA for the Rockies. Tyler Kinley has been bad. I was expecting a little bit more out of Jordan Sheffield as well. So even though the Mets are as banged up as they are, some of them has minus 137 favorites. So I'm going to be laying eater. I also did wind up saying this all at 7.6. I don't have a lot of faith in the Mets offense, but at the same time, I just think that Gomber is going to walk a bunch of guys and then the bullpen is going to light lighter fluid on this game. So we're taking the over along with the Mets. 9-5-9-6 on the betting board. You've got my New York Post play of the day as the Milwaukee Brewers are going to be playing us the San Diego Padres. Blake Sells is going to be going for the pods. Brandon Woodruff on the bump for the Brewers. Brewers, very slight favorites here. Anywhere between minus 109 and minus 119 if you're looking at the pods. Going to be laying as much as a minus 106, finding as good as a plus 103 and your total on this game is 7 overs. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Ditto for the under. And with Blake Snell, you just need a little bit of better command out of him. He has went Six full innings once in his last 22 starts because he's averaging 5.6 walks per nine innings so far this year. Now, he's backed up by a San Diego Padres bullpen that entered into Sunday with the best ERA in the big leagues, but it also has been taxed for the most innings of any National League team as well. And the only team that has been taxed for more innings is the Tampa Bay Rays, and we know how they use that. But when you take a look at the Padres, certainly the offense is starting to get going for this team. Eric Osmer, Jake Cronenworth, Fernando Tatis Jr., all in between a 2.99 and a 3.09, all guys with at least a 3.60 on as well. Drew Rickson, Profar, Tommy Pham. Batting average is not necessarily there with Pham, but at 342 on base, Profar more like a 350. So these guys are finding a way on. With the Padres, they've actually been a little bit better on the road than they have been at home as well, which I do find to be very intriguing with this bunch as the Padres, a 12-7 and road record, but the Brewers, they've got Woodruff on the mound who has been just absolutely superb. He's won at least six innings in every one of his starts ever since opening day, giving up two runs or fewer in every last one of them. He has been able to hold it down, and then you've got the best eighth and ninth inning out there in baseball with Devin Williams along Josh Hader for the Brewers. No doubt the offense is still a little bit leaky, but now you've got Christian Yelich and Omir Narvaez back. Both of these guys have an on-base percentage north of a 400. Colton Wong has been able to erupt as well. He's hitting a 280. Obviously, El Garcia has been able to give you seven home runs. And hey, Yelich got his first home run of the year yesterday, which that's going to help. Now, the bottom of the lineup, Daniel Vogelback, Daniel Robertson, 
Tyrone Taylor, Travis Shaw, Willie Adamas, Jackie Bradley Jr., Luis Odias. All these guys are earning a 220 or lower, but you do take a look at the Padres. I do think that while guys like Tim Hill, Mark Melanson, and company have been able to get the job done, I do think that it might be a case in which they just wind up getting out to old. I wound up setting the total at 6.3 as I think it's going to be a very low scoring game, so I'm going to wind up taking this total under, but I think with the Brewers getting their sluggers back and Woodruff performing the way that he is, that the Brewers are going to be able to get it done here at home. So in this spot, the New York Post play today is going to be the Milwaukee Brewers, and I'm going to be riding with the under as well. 907-908 on the bang board. The Tampa Bay Rays hit the road face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Ryan Yarbrough is going to be going for the Rays. Ross Stripling is on the bump for the Jays. You're finding the Rays as a very slight favorite here. Anywhere between minus 110 and minus 113. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Toronto, a.k.a. Dunedin, you're going to be laying as much as a minus 105, finding as good as a plus 105. Your total on this game is 10 and a half. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 115 for Yarbrough. You want to be getting him as a reliever because when he's coming in a relief role, I believe his record is something like 24 and 6. And his ERA drops by nearly 2 points. He is so much better in a relief role rather than if he winds up starting a game. Meanwhile, you take a look at Ross Stripling. This guy has just been a flat out disaster all year long. 720 ERA. He's given up 7 home runs in 25 innings so far this year. He's getting 29 strikeouts, which I guess that's a little bit of something, but man, things are not necessarily going well there. And then you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays. This is a team that strikes out the most in the big leagues ever since the start of the 2020 season, but they have really been able to get their offense working. This is a team that I believe has now won eight out of their last nine games. Randy Rosarena doing a great job for this team. He, Yandy Diaz, Joey Wendell, of on-base percentages of at least a 350. You've been able to get some power out of the catcher spot as well. Mike Zanino, he's been able to give you, I believe now, 11 home runs, so he's been able to do a rock-solid job there. Unfortunately, a lot of them have been solo shots, and you do need a couple guys to be able to pick it up. You've got Austin Meadows, Kevin Kiermeyer, and Brett Phillips in the outfield, all in between a 218 and a 228. But G-Man Joy has come back off the injured list. He's hitting a 400 and a small sample size. Francisco Mejia has been able to give you a little bit of something as well. And then for the Toronto Blue Jays, this is a pretty powerful lineup in their own right. You've got Bo Bichette along with Randall Gritchick hitting between a 269 and a 275. For Bichette along with Marcus Simeon, both of these guys have been able to do a good job of supplying power at the top of the lineup. A combined 20 home runs between both of those, Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Tasker. Hernandez, both hitting above a 315 with Guerrero. 13 home runs, 444 on base. Now, Lords Guerrero starting to pick it up. Ian Santiago has been a hitting between a 235 and a 240. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, bullpen has been relatively solid all season long, but Rafael Lodis has been used up the last couple of days. Tyler Chatwood, Travis Bergen, probably not going to be available in this game, so you're going to have to look to AJ Cole likely Joel Payampas, Tim Maza, these guys, and then for the Tampa Bay Rays, they just got so many guys that they're able to throw at you. Pete Fairbanks is someone that's going to be available in this one. I also take a look at them having availability with someone like a Diego Casio as well, and I do think that that is going to be absolutely huge for a Rays team that I would not be surprised if an opener winds up coming in for Ryan Yarbrough. This is pretty much a handicap of if Ryan Yarbrough pitches at all because we know what the Rays wind up doing with openers. But what I'm saying, the Rays has minus 129 favorites. So I'm going to be riding with the Rays in this spot. What I'm saying, this total 10.2 as well. I do think that Stripling is going to give up his runs. But I do think that the bullpen is going to be able to save the Blue Jays from this total going over. So taking the under along with the Rays. 909-910 on the banging board. The Cleveland Indians hit the road to face off against the Detroit Tigers. Spencer Turnbull is going to be going for the Tigres. Sam Entages 
is. is going to be going for the Indians. You don't find this very often, but the Tigers are a favorite. Anywhere between minus 114 and minus 120. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Indians, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 103 and plus 111. And your total on this game is 90 over and under are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Seeing a straight minus 120 on the under, which means that your over is even. And with Antages, he has not necessarily been too terrific for this Indian team. And I will say, Spencer Turnbull, fresh off of a no-hitter. He is looking absolutely superb. But I think that this is a good sell-high spot on Spencer Turnbull because I just mentioned it. How often do we see the Tigers as a favorite? Now, Turnbull has been very good at not giving up home runs throughout his career. 0.7 home runs per nine innings. So far this year, he has given up one home run in 34 and a third innings. But with that said, he typically does give up a little bit more contact. And I do recognize the fact that the Cleveland Indians are not necessarily a team that matches. But you've got two guys in this Cleveland Indians lineup that is able to do a very good job. Fran Mayo Reyes along with Jose Ramirez. These two guys between them have 24 home runs so far this year. Amid Rosario is starting to pick it up. He's hitting a 250 for this bunch. You've got Harold Ramirez, Josh Naylor, pair of guys hitting between a 250 and a 265. Now Yu Chang, Jake Bowers along with Austin Edges, Jordan Luplo, a few others. They're hitting below the Mendoza line of 200, but even Cesar Hernandez has been able to give you a tad bit of something for the Cleveland Indians. They've got the top bullpen ERA out there in the American League, at least entering into Sunday. It wasn't necessarily so good on Sunday, but with that said, Emmanuel Clays has been able to come in. He's been able to do a very good job for this team. You've got to think that James Karinczak, despite the fact that he wound up throwing 17 pitches yesterday, he might be available in this spot as well. I do recognize the fact that the Cleveland Indians threw out there a ton of arms, but for the Detroit Tigers, worst bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. They have been far from superb with that regard. Now, Gregory Soto has been able to give you a little bit of something, but he winds up getting used up yesterday as well. And then when you take a look at the Detroit Tigers, Robbie Grossman has been able to pick it up for the team. 384 on base, 260 batting average. You've got Nico Goodrum, who's been a little bit up and down. He's hitting right around at 222, but he's got a 324 on base. Eric Koss has right around at 350 on base. He's been able to provide some power. And then you've got Jameer Candelario, 360 on base, 285 batting average. But guys like Jacoby Jones, Miguel Cabrera, whatever he's out there, Jonathan Scope, hitting at 220 or lower, that certainly is a little bit of a damper on this team. I do think that Entages is going to wind up giving up a couple runs. You just take a look at his last couple starts. It has not gone well from It's why he's got a 646 ERA and he's given up five home runs at 15 and a third innings, but not necessarily the easiest ballpark. Did it out of in Detroit and with the Tigers. They don't have a lot of power in general, so I wound up saying this total at 7.5, so this is a spot in which I am going to be taking it under, and I wound up saying the Indians as a favorite, so I'm going to be taking the plus price. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. You've got the Baltimore Orioles hitting the road to face off against the Minnesota Twins. Matt Shoemaker is going to be going for the Twins. John Means is on the bump for the Baltimore Orioles. Orioles are finding themselves as very slight favorites slash very slight underdogs. You're going to be able to find the Orioles as good as a minus 101, as bad as a minus 118. If you're looking at the Minnesota Twins, you're finding them as bad as a minus 109, as good as a plus 101, and your total on this game is 9. The over and under are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. With means, he had a rough start in his last time out, but we all recall the no-hitter, and prior to that start, he had a 121 ERA. He's facing off against a Minnesota Twins team that, let's face it, they're just flat-out banged up by Aaron Bucks and being on the fold. Has certainly hurt this team. Nelson Cruz has gotten a couple days off. Looks like he might not be available in this game as well. Now, I will say Rob Snyder is hitting at 375, and a small sample size, he's been very good for the team. But then you've got Mitch Garver, Alex Kurloff, along with Max Kepler. And young outfielder Trevor Larnage are all hitting a 220 or lower for this team. And then you take a look at the flip side. Well, you've been able to get out of the Baltimore Orioles. Cedric Mullen has cooled down a little bit for the team. But he's hitting nearly a 300, doing a good job of being a 
to be a table setter for this team. If you got a couple guys that will be able to up their game as well. Trey Boomo, Mancini, Austin Ace, Freddie Galvis, now all hitting above a 250. Anthony Santander is back at the fold as well. He wound up having a nice series against the Washington Nationals. Had been struggling before going on the injured list. He's been able to find a little bit of something. He's had a pair of multi-hit games over the last two days with a home run, so that is what you do like to see. Ryan Mountcastle, he's had a bad year. Pat Falake is hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. Mikel Franco in that same vein as well. Now, you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Pedro Severino. It's been up and down. And for the Baltimore Orioles, the bullpen has been relatively solid for this team now. Cole Solzer wound up getting used up yesterday along Cesar Valdez, but Tanner Scott should be available along Dylan Tate should be able to help out this team. And then when you take a look at the Minnesota Twins, the bullpen all year long has been a disaster. Alex Calme has been absolutely terrible. Cody Sashek has been a hot mess. Caleb Theobar wound up getting used up yesterday along Taylor Rogers and Enzo Robles, so they might not be available in this game. And with the Minnesota Twins, this is a bunch that they wound up winning, I believe, their first extra inning game yesterday in games that either ended seven innings or extras. They've won two out of like 16 of them. It's an absolutely ridiculous result. So they're right around 500 in games that wind up wrapping up in regulation. But with Matt Shoemaker, it's just hard to have confidence in him. I do recognize that he wound up having a good start his last time out against the Chicago White Sox. But for the year, he is giving up 10 home runs in 40 innings. So one home run given up every four innings. That is not necessarily too terrific. And he's pairing that up with being able to get right around six strikeouts per nine innings. He's got 25 punch outs in 40 innings, 145 whips, 608 ERA. I just think that means is going to mean business in this one with his buck 70 ERA. Giving up about a home run per nine innings and giving up less than two walks per nine. I just think that the Orioles are going to be able to pitch the Minnesota Twins in this spot, which is why I did wind up saying the Orioles is more around a minus 125 favorite. So we're going to be riding with Baltimore with this total set it at 8.4. So seeing the nines out there, taking this total under to go along with the Orioles. 9-13, 9-14 on the bang board. The Seattle Mariners hit their own face off against the Oakland A's. Frankie Montas is going to be going for the A's. Meanwhile, Yusei Kikuchi is going to be on the bump for the Seattle Mariners. So this game is anywhere between 7.5 and 9. On the 7.5, over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. On the 8, you're finding that under anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 110. If you're taking a look at Oakland, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 151 and minus 159 favorites. Meanwhile, your plus price here with Seattle. Anywhere between plus 130 and plus 143 with the Mariners. Really hard to be able to back Yusei Kikuchi. Now, about 65% of Yusei Kikuchi's career starts have went over, and the Oakland A's have actually pitched significantly worse at home than they have away from home. Away from home, they're registering about a 360 ERA. At home, it's more like a 480 ERA for Kikuchi. Giving up nine home runs in 50 innings so far this year. Hard contact has always been a little bit of a bugaboo for him. Giving up nearly three blocks per nine innings as well. Then you take a look at Montas. Last season, he was tremendous at home at Jeroboam on the road. This year, it has been the exact opposite. 621 home run. ERA and a 250 ERA on the road. Yet he's 3-2 at home, which I find to be very funny. He has given up 6 home runs to 29 innings at home so far this year. Opponents are getting 298 off of him. Good news is, the Seattle Mariners are a very top-heavy lineup, and they're just not necessarily getting a lot going right now. Mitch Anniger has been able to hit right around a 260 for this team. I believe he's now got 13 home runs, so he's been able to do a solid job. You've got Kyle Seager along with Kyle Lewis. Both inning between a 234 and a 240, so you've been able to get a little bit of something there, but then you wind up having Sam Eggerty, Jose Goudeau, hopefully I'm saying that one correctly, Jacob Nottingham, Jack Mayfield, 
Jorge Mamalois, Jared Kelnick, all hitting a 200 or lower for this team. And you're getting a 211 out of Donovan Walton. Now, whenever J.P. Crawford's out there, he's been relatively solid. And for the Seattle Mariners, bullpen got off to an absolutely superb start, but now Will Vest is currently injured. J.T. Chargois is someone that has been relatively solid. And you've also got Robert Duggar who's giving you like a 4-ish ERA, but Duggar wound up getting used up yesterday. You take a look at some of the other guys. Rafael Montero right now has an ERA that's hovering right around 5, so that's not necessarily too terrific. And then you take a look at some of the other guys. Yohan Ramirez is someone that I don't have a lot of confidence in. Keenan Middleton has actually been able to give you a couple innings. He's fresh off the injured list, but for the Oakland A's, I do think that they should be able to outduel this team in the bullpen because Sergio Roma wound up getting used up yesterday, and he did submerge a game yesterday, so you don't have to worry about him today. Lou Trevino has been solid out of the bullpen. Yosemaro Petit is someone that you're always able to rely upon as well. I wound up saying the Oakland A's as a sizable favorite here of minus 168. You take a look at what the run line is because Kikuchi starts have typically been higher scoring. I'm seeing this right around a plus 135, and I think I'm going to reduce the juice here. Take that plus price on the run line with the A's. They just haven't necessarily pitched the same home to row, but at the same time, the offense has really been able to get ignited. You've got a bunch of guys who are doing a great job of being able to get on base for this team. Steven Piscotti has been a little bit banged up. He hasn't necessarily given you a lot, but that's why you've got Mark Canna. He's right now hitting in the neighborhood of about a 250 with an on-base that's hovering more around a 350. Ravon Laureano has a double-digit amount of home runs, along with Matt Olson, who wound up collecting his 12th. Yesterday, he's hitting for a 354 on-base in his own right. Chad Pinder has been able to do a solid job with right around a 265 betting average. Jed Lowry has been able to kick the tires on his career. He's looking solid. And Tony Kemp, nearly a 400 on-base. So, this is the spot in which I'm going to be taking the Oakland A's on the run line. I think we're going to see another over in a UCA Kikuchi start just just seems a little bit too low on an 8. So we're going to be taking the over along the A's run line. And we're things up at 9.15, 9.16 on the betting board. You've got the St. Louis Cardinals in the road to face off against the Chicago White Sox. Lance Lynn is going to be going for the Sox. Meanwhile, Kwon Young Kim is going to be going for the Cardinals. Your total on this game is 8. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you're taking a look at the White Sox, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 145 and minus 162. So got a little bit of range. You're seeing now a minus 162. Meanwhile, with the Cardinals, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 133 and plus 149. The Sunday night hangover always seems to be very real with the teams that wind up playing on the last game of the night, so that is something that I am going to be taking a look at, but with the St. Louis Cardinals, this is going to be just a fascinating bunch in general, because with Kwon Young Kim, he has been able to do a terrific job with command, but with the St. Louis Cardinals, they did not wind up using up much of the bullpen yesterday, which is very good, because Wainwright was able to give them eight innings, despite the fact that the game winds up going 10. Giovanni Gallegos, Alex Reyes, only two bullpen pieces that wind up getting used up, so you're going to have someone like a Genesis Cabrera who's going to be able to help out this team. You're going to have Ryan Aisley, guys like this, being able to give you a little bit of something. But for the St. Louis Cardinals, they are currently without Dylan Carlson, so that is going to hurt the lineup a little bit. You do have Nolan Arenado, Yadier Molina, along Tommy Edmond, lying above a 275 for this team. You've also been able to get a little bit of something out of their young shortstop in Armando Sosa, who's hitting at 387, which I find to be very big. But you've also got Logan Thomas, John Williams, Austin Kisner, whenever he's out there, Harrison Bader, hitting at 222 or lower, so that's a little bit tough, and this is a Chicago White Sox team that they pound left-handed pitching. I believe that they've won 24 out of their last 27 games in which a lefty winds up going, so poor Mr. Kim, who's given up one home run in 26 and a third inning so far this year, he is going to have his hands full, and with Lance Lynn, he has been absolutely magnificent all year long. Buck 55 ERA. He's been mostly going between 5 and 6 innings in most of his starts. He's typically known for giving a little bit more length, but still, has been absolutely superb, and then you've got a pair of guys that have 
nearly a 400 on base for the team. Yohan Moncada along the airman Mercedes and Mercedes still hitting right around a 350 now. Adam Eaton, Andrew Vaughn, Daniel Mandek, Yasmani Grandal, Billy Hamilton, Loris Garcia, all guys hitting a 230 or lower, but I will say this. Mendick a 354 on base, Yasmani Grandal nearly a 400 on base despite a buck 41 batting average, which I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like that before. Adam Eaton has just had a little bit of a rough go of it in general, but you've also got Jose Abreu, who seems to be finding it out. 255 batting average. He winds up going deep yesterday as well. For the Chicago White Sox, bullpen did wind up getting used a little bit, but I do think that Lance Lynn is going to be able to offer some length. you got to think that Jose Ruiz along with Aaron Mummer, two guys that wound up going 20 plus pitches yesterday, going to be unavailable, but Liam Hendricks only wound up throwing five, so you should have him. Matt Foster had a little bit of a rough start to begin the year, but he should be available. Garrett Crochet, I think, is going to be as well. I do think that the Sunday night hangover is real. I wound up saying the White Sox as a minus 164 favorite. Now, we are seeing this climb a little bit, but it's still within my range, and if you're looking at the run line in this spot, DraftKings currently has a plus 138. I'm seeing quite a few 130s out there as well. I'm going to reduce the juice here. I'm going to wind up taking the run line here of the Chicago White Sox, and with this total, I personally wind up setting this at 7.2, so we're going to be taking this total under along with the Chicago White Sox, and that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this wonderful Monday. A big thanks to John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler out there in the great state of Pennsylvania. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You've got one or two ways to be able to find your questions if you have them for this podcast. First one is my Twitter timeline, at Terrence Cordy1. Keep in mind the letters EM, they mean does not matter. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.